Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 33 of the podcast and today I am delighted to have personal trainer and boxing coach Niall Barrett on. Welcome on Niall. Thank you very much Mark, thanks for having me. Um, I've listened to a lot of your episodes so far so it's a great honour for me to be on here so thank you very much. No bother, I've been waiting to get you on and you're finally here and it's a privilege to have you. So I suppose we'll start. Was sport like a big thing in your household growing up, I suppose? Yeah, um, so I lived in a housing estate um, growing up in Nice. And so, you know, all the kids there, we were just, we were trying out the door at eight or nine in the morning when we were told to come back at, at dinner time. So we were always out you know, playing football or running or climbing trees. Um, my dad was very, very big into soccer. He was a Chelsea fan. Um, and he actually did a bit of soccer coaching as well. So I played soccer growing up um, and did a little bit of GA as well. Um, then I found my way into boxing quite late. Um, I found my way to boxing around 17, 16, 17 or so. Um, and just got hooked from there. And then... When did you like decide, right, I want to become a personal trainer and and when you decided to become a personal trainer, did you did you always want to combine personal training and boxing coaching or did that just sort of happen? Um so because I was one of the older kids in, in the gym. So we might have 30 kids training and there might only be two coaches. So the coaches there would ask me to take maybe a group of 10 of them out for a run or to do some core work or, or some stretching with them. So I kind of started coaching quite, quite young, just taking on little groups and um, helping out the other coaches. And I really, really enjoyed it. And then, then I started doing pad work with them and, you know, the kids would start asking me to do a little bit of pads with them. And then, my training sessions has turned into coaching sessions. I was going in, I turned up doing a lot more coaching than I was doing training. Um, but I loved it. I absolutely, you know, I'd spend all day in school, couldn't wait to go to the gym at night. You know what I mean? I always thought about, can't wait till, till it's seven o'clock or half seven to go training. Um, but after school, I went to college. Um, so I did four years in Limerick and another year in Cork. Um, but even when I was down there, I couldn't wait to come home on the weekend to, to train the kids um, and to, you know, train with Gary and some of the other kids. Um, and then I started working. Um, and when I was working, I was working in um, an addiction treatment center with the Dublin Simon community. So helping people to um, overcome alcohol and drug addictions. And while I was there, I was always coming in with black eyes and stuff, you know, because not very good at boxing. <laughs> so the guys there would kind of, they kind of found out I, I did, um, did a little bit of boxing. So, you know, people that were coming off addictions, they may have spent maybe 10, 12 hours a day drinking. And then they have this free time. Like imagine being gifted 10 extra hours a day. It's, it's a gift, you know? So they started asking, could I show them a little bit of, you know, things to train or some weights or some boxing. So, so I did. And we noticed that the people that were, um training during the recovery had much more successful recoveries they'd lower uh, rates of relapse um, and and higher chances of recovery obviously because for me you know training helps your physical health your mental health um, it's a very social thing as well um, and these are all very important in, in overcoming addictions 
So then there was a lady there, her name was Majella Darcy. So I have a lot to thank her for. So she, I just thought it was a bit of crack, you know, but she kind of thought there was something bigger going on here. So um, she asked me what I set up a service. So we set up something called the health and wellbeing service in Dublin Simon community. Um, so it was essentially like the first ever personal trainer for homeless people. Like, and um, we just noticed, you know, we had football clubs there. We had, a, we used to go to boxing gyms. We, then we set up gyms in all the centers um, the different housing centers across the city. We, we all had little gyms there um, and it just started growing. Um, so I just saw the power of exercise and health as being like a really, really powerful thing and um, much more than just training. It was really helping people to, um, to find a purpose in life and to give meaning to them as well. So yeah, from there then I, I moved back to Nace and I worked in the gym. And then four years ago, we set up our own gym called Unitary Health and Fitness. It's in Nace Industrial Estate. So I'm blessed now to have my own facility. So yeah, that's kind of my journey. And I know you're working with some of the best professional boxers in Ireland. Just like, give me a bit of an insight into what that is like. I, like I myself, would love to be in your position, like training Gary Crowley, Sean McCollum, like, just give me a bit of insight into what that's like. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely, I almost have to pinch myself, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed, um, I feel so grateful to be in this, this position, so, so, obviously I have the gym in Nace, but I go up to Pete Taylor, um, probably two to three days a week, uh, he works out of a gym, in Dublin called the Coliseum like Pete has you know arguably the best stable of, of boxers in the country so obviously Gary Cully um, Sean McComb Tyrone McKenna Tommy McCarthy there's there's too many to name um, but there's a lot of even younger people there like there's a kid Paul Ryan who's who's special Tony McGlynn there's just you know Luke Keeler all these people that have fought for world titles and Stevie Collins is fighting tonight these are just absolutely amazing talents um and I get to go up there and to work with them and obviously to learn from Pete so it's um I'm in a really really privileged position I, and I know you're totally right Mark people would would kill to be in my position so I'm very very grateful um but yeah it's a great environment it's a very hard working environment um you know, all these people, they would have come from the high performance unit, which would have been um, the kind of upper part of the Irish Amateur Boxing Association. So they all would have been the champion of Ireland as amateurs. And now when they've gone pro, they're working with Pete. Um, you know, there's people flying from different countries. We've Jazza Dickens has flown over from, from England just to work with Pete. And there was a girl, Maria, who flew over from Croatia to train. You know, he's always getting messages, even... God, I can't even tell you the amount of places he's getting messages from people wanting to come and I'm just blessed that I get to go up you know two three days a week four days a week during during some camps and go away to fight nights with Pete and stuff as well so it's um and all the other coaches there and um, yeah I'm blessed you must you must like learn a lot of people because Pete has trained a lot of boxers so he must give you a lot of advice and stuff like that. That's it's it's ridiculous. Like you know, and to me, you know, education is key. Um, and learning is key. I love learning. You know, whether it's about anything, I love learning. Um, and every day I go up there, I I, I learn. Um, whether it's a technical aspect, a tactical aspect, 
um, a training aspect. So, you know, some coaches are very, very good technical coaches. Uh, they know the technique very well, but they might not be great, you know, in a fight situation. Other coaches are great at, um, you know, setting up tactics for a fight, but they might not be able to teach you how to throw a jab correctly or something. Um, you know, other coaches are great, you know, conditioning coaches. They get their boxers very, very fit, but maybe not with great technique. But like Pete is the best technical coach I've ever seen. He's the best tactical coach I've ever seen. He's amazing at the conditioning side and the periodization, you know, so not overtraining people or undertraining people. So, and like, I, I see the phrase thrown around a lot, like a world-class coach towards Pete, but if you actually break it down, like if you look at who is the number one pound for pound female on the planet, it's Katie Taylor, like, and who did she do 90% or 95% of her work with, you know? So she didn't get there on her own. Obviously she's very talented and hard work and, and deserves a lot of credit, but you know, Pete was there with her as well. So, and as a coach, he's, um, he's very, very generous. He doesn't, there's no secrets for Pete, you know, and um, he doesn't keep his, his, his training methods locked away in a secret book um, under lock and key. He tells you everything, you know what I mean? And um, so myself and Jenny, another coach who work, but we go up there, but he'll call us over and go like, he'll show us something. He'll look at this, see his foot there. And then he'll go in and tell him. And then we look at his foot again and it's totally different, you know? So he tells us what he's telling them. He's not just um, telling them and, and keeping the secrets from us and from the other coaches up there. So yeah, I'm very, very, very privileged to work with Pete and uh, learning loads. And I know you were in the National Basketball Arena last weekend with Mr. Aaron Clark, and that was a spectacular knockout win. Let me tell you that. Um, yeah, Aaron is an absolute legend. So Aaron Clark, he so there's a, another coach that I work with, Jenny O'Neill, and um, she's the only licensed professional female boxing coach in the country at the time. Um, so she's a staff member here in Unit 3. Um, and then she's also a coach with me. So she again, she'd um, do a lot of the coaching work in Unit 3 and come up to Dublin with me. She is, um, God, to say I'm blessed to have Jenny with me is an understatement. Um, she's absolutely amazing. Um, so she works with a, uh, a professional kickboxer, a K1 kickboxer called Aaron Clark. You know, and Aaron deserves a lot of credit because, you know, Look, Jenny's amazing, but, you know, this is a very male-dominated sport and it can be very close-minded. And he took the gamble to go with a female coach when, you know, a lot of other people would, wouldn't do that. But he just saw her, you know, he didn't look at her gender. He just looked at her coaching ability, which is top class. And he, he decided, yeah, this is the person I want to guide me through. And she's done phenomenal. Like, I watch the two of them every day. Um, and they're just doing phenomenal work, absolutely phenomenal work. So, yeah, he fought a guy called Jay Council in a really kind of highly anticipated match in the National Basketball Stadium in Tyler. And um, he ended it conclusively with a first round knockout. So uh, Jenny's coaching career, um, I'm actually afraid now because I think she's going to be more in demand. I hope I don't lose her. Um, I think she's going to ask for a, a wage increase soon. Um, so um, yeah, I'm, I was I just could not have been happier for for Aaron and for Jenny as well. They they deserve it so much. I think you get what you deserve in this sport, and when you work hard, you deserve these victories. Yeah, um, I had Jenny on the podcast a couple of months ago at this stage, I think. Uh, and to say that she is a great coach is an understatement. Mm. And I honestly think she can she can go far because. 
She's an absolute great coach. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Um, but that's not to take anything away from you. You're a great coach as well. Oh, no, 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 no. Jenny, Jenny is fantastic. Like, and, you know, look, my goal with any of the coaches here, are, you know, my goal with any of the athletes here is to make them better than me. The goal with the coaches is to make them better than me. So I want Jenny to be a better coach than me. That's, that's my goal, coaching her, you know? So anything I've learned, I've told Jenny, you know, I give her my notebooks, I give her any videos I have. And the way I keep saying to her is that I just turned 34 there, but Jenny at 25 is a much better coach than I was at 25, you know? So because she's learned all this stuff from Pete that I didn't know when I was 25 and from me that I didn't know at 25. So, so her at 25 is a much better coach than I was at 25. So when she's 30, like God knows how good she could be as well, you know? So I can't wait to see that as well. Happy late birthday, so. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I have some questions here um, and I'm going to keep the names anonymous because I don't want to be getting anyone in trouble. Go for it. So the first question is, how do I get big biceps like you? <laughs> how do you get big biceps like me? Well, unfortunately, I don't have big biceps. Um, but I'd imagine that came from a friend of mine called Matt Stapleton. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess about that. I could be wrong. But you see, Matt actually suffers from a, a rare medical condition called small bicepitis, um, where he physically can't grow big biceps, unfortunately, no matter how he tries. So um, I think surgery would be the way for Matt to, to get those. Um, yeah, lots of training, lots of eating protein, and lots of sleep if you want to build your muscles. Next question is, what are the top qualities you look for in a boxer you would want to work with? The top qualities I look for in someone I'd like to work with. Um, to be honest, I actually don't have much interest in talent. Um, not as much as you would think. Um, obviously, talent is very important. But um, to, to me, I prefer um, the kind of qualities like work ethic, discipline, commitment, determination. Um, to me... That's just what I prefer working with. Um, I don't really, I would much rather work with someone who had very little talent, but a lot of commitment and determination to maximize whatever talent they had rather than someone with like bags full of talent, but they didn't want to, to work to their potential. They just wanted to rely on on their gifts. Like a lot of talent can, um, can be kind of, you know, almost gifted. Like some people will have different levels of athleticism that some will never, ever have. Whereas I think work ethic and commitment, these are controllables. You know, you can control how much discipline you show, how much commitment you show, how hard you work. And, you know, to see someone bear their soul, like in training, you can see someone's soul in training because the minute it get, gets hard, there are some people that stop and tie their laces or fix their wraps or run to the bathroom, all these little things. It's, it's to be honest, it's cheating really like, you know, whereas there's other people that when it gets hard, they, they go harder, you know what I mean? And to me, that's a much more admirable quality than talent. So yeah, I love working with people that have great work ethics um, and commitment. Um, one more question and then we'll move away from boxing for a while. No, two more actually. What has been the most challenging part of being a professional boxing coach? The most challenging part of being a boxing coach? 
um professional boxing can be a very um fickle sport you know you don't you know with, if you're a professional soccer player you get your dates a year in advance nearly you know who you're playing and when you're playing and where you're playing so if just say you play for man united and you're told you're playing man city you know three players can go off sick but the match will still go ahead on that same date whereas if you're boxing you might get told okay you're boxing on the 11th of december in england but if your opponent pulls out the day before the fight the fight can fall through or the venue could fall through so you know i've said this statement before and i really believe it to be true but as a professional boxer you will have more fights cancelled than you will actually have fights um, and just think about that and Annie, imagine you're a carpenter and you have more jobs cancelled than you actually have jobs you know it's, it's very very tough so with professional boxing you don't always know when you're going to fight so as a coach you could be training guys that might not have fought in three months but they could get a call saying they're fighting their next weekend so you kind of have to have them ready but you can't overtrain them either so you're always trying to keep them stimulated and trained and healthy but not overtrained or understimulated so you know, when you get to the upper echelons of the sport and you're the A side, you know, people like Canelo and Mayweather, they they know their dates. You know, Canelo kind of typically fights the same three or four dates every year and he's the A side. So if the opponent falls out, you know, they can have someone on standby. So he kind of knows, he can plan, he can plan a holiday, he can plan his training camps, knowing when he's going to fight. Whereas here you kind of, you almost feel guilty going away on holidays because you're like, Jay's, what if I get a call that week saying, the guys are fighting or something so it can be hard you're kind of living um almost looking at your phone all day waiting for a call um so that's probably the most challenging part not actually knowing when you're going to work and last question is what has been the top moment of your coaching career so far the top moment um probably gary cully winning the irish title um so Gary boxed a guy from Belfast called Joe Fitzpatrick in Belfast in the Ulster Hall and the end of January 2020. So just kind of before the pandemic kicked in. And, you know, it's a very, very highly anticipated match. It was, you know, I still have loads of screenshots on my phone of polls that went up and people picking 70% picking Joe Fitzpatrick to win. And um, there was a little bit of beef, not beef, but a um, bit of bite there. So, you know, it was a really highly anticipated match. And um it was in the Ulster Hall. Obviously, you know, Joe had a lot of supporters there. And I'll never forget Gary's walkout. Um, he walked out to um, Zombie. But, you know, a lot of boxers, they get so nervous. You know, when you see a boxer run to the ring, you know, they almost want to get it over with. Whereas Gary just stood at the top of the platform and let that song. That song's a very slow burning song. You know, it takes a while for it to really kick in. And he just stood there. And it was people screaming at him, people shouting at him, fans, other people shouting, Fitz, he's going to kill you, all sorts of stuff like that. And he just stood there. Like, the composure that he has is, is ridiculous, you know. Um, and then just to get into the ring, stay calm and knock Joe Fitzpatrick out in about 90 seconds on front of, you know, you know, the Ulster Hall, it's it's very like a cauldron, you know, the fans are on top of you. It's a balcony type, type arena. So to stay calm and to deliver your performance in front of that, you know, it was it was absolutely brilliant. And um, for Gary, you know, Gary's mother had gone through, Lorraine is her name, she's an amazing woman. She had gone through um, a tough year the year before she had, um, she had breast cancer. And so to have her there, Gary's sister, Gary's brother, his granddad was in the bloody ring at the end. You know, it was, you know, as a coach, um, 
you're always trying to deliver these moments for for people you work with um, and I think that was a very special moment that you know Gary will have a picture of that on his wall in in 30 40 years time so that was a special moment so yeah that was great uh so we're gonna move away from boxing for okay. a bit i'm gonna come back to a talk cool. so we're going to move to ultimate elvik i know you were on ultimate elvik what made you like register for ultimate elvik yeah I, I question that myself a lot now <laughs> um yeah i i was on series two of ultimate hell week for anybody that's not that that doesn't know what it is. Ultimate Hell Week, it kind of gives you a glimpse of some of the training that the Irish Rangers do uh, in order to pass selection. Now, we were there for about a week or so. They do like, you know, four weeks of this followed by another nine months of in-depth training. So uh, I want to give them all credit. Like they are phenomenal people. Um, but it was an absolute honor to get to go on and, and get a glimpse of some of the stuff they do, you know, um, and just a glimpse is all we got. Um, so we were there for a week in November, November I think yeah November and so we got there one Friday evening and we were just killed until the next Friday evening and thankfully there was still three of us left and myself uh, Mayo footballer Porco Hora and then Kilkenny man John Fagan so the three of us managed to stick it out um, which was fantastic and why I did it um, I did it for two reasons one um i did it just to challenge myself you know i've watched these shows and you're always you know sitting on the couch going god i wonder could i do that or i think i could do that or um you never know until you're there you know you don't know if you can run a marathon until you're on mile 15 of the marathon you don't know if you can you know row the race until you're you know out there rowing on on the lake you know so you got to get into it get into the arena and, and and see rather than just talk and think so one reason was to challenge myself and to push my limits and secondly as a coach, like some of the stuff I make Gary do is is borderline unethical. Like, you know what I mean? The training we do is disgusting. No, I'm not messing. Like it's, um, you know, you're pushing people to their absolute limit. Like, and, but I'm not asking anyone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And I need people to know that. So Gary knows like that, you know, right. Niall is either doing this session with me or he's done this or he's willing to go there too. I'm not, you know, I'm not standing on the sidelines with a cigarette in my hand and a cup of coffee going, right, go run those laps there, you know. So I tried to show anybody that I worked with beforehand or, or in the future that, look, this is my standard. We, in this gym here, we expect hard work. We expect discipline and dedication, you know. So that's kind of what you have to expect. But all our coaches here do it too, you know. Um, so, yeah, they were the two reasons I did it. A, to challenge myself, and then to B, to show anyone that I coach with pastor in the future that you know I'm willing to go there too like so and I'm willing to get uncomfortable too and like just give us an insight into like how hard it was it's hard to describe it's 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 just ridiculous you know so you might think training for two hours on your own in the gym is really you're that you're working really really hard but then they get a hold of you the ds there um and they just take it to, you're probably doing 20% really of what they push you to, you know? So they have been, so the first night we were there, we had to jump off the Blessington Bridge twice at 12 o'clock at night. And um, then the next morning they brought us down to Kirklow Beach. We were there for about six hours on the beach, just up and down the hills, dragging tires in and out of the water. Like 
you know, you you might train for an hour or two on your own. You never do six hours, like, and then you think you're done. And then that night, then they had us dragging a truck and running with logs. And the next morning we were up and down mountains. And, you know, you go up, you, normally when you go for a hike, you go up to the top, you come back down, you go home. Whereas we got up, got back down, had to go up again, back down, up again, up again. Um, then that day we had to go fight. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff. We were up and down 21k hikes. We were doing um, in water every single day. Um, and it's just the attrition of it, the accumulation of all the... The events in and of themselves are they're manageable to a point, but it's doing the event, having not slept the night before, you're on a massive calorie deficit, you're cold, you're wet, you've no control. Um, like these guys are geniuses. They know how to push your buttons. They know how to set this thing, these uh, events up. So I have the utmost respect for, for anyone that has ever, I have the utmost respect for anyone that's ever even attempted any of these courses, let alone pass them. But the guys that, that, actually run them in real life you know they're a different breed um, and I listened to, you had a DS Ray Goggins on about two weeks ago or something that was very very good um, I'm delighted to see him doing so well at the moment and uh, with his book and on all his talks I saw you're at the talk as well with him and Rory how was that? Yeah that was absolutely class like uh, it was just like I I went for myself because I I do a lot away from that talk and yeah I just had the privilege of meeting meeting Parker Warner, Roy Stories and Ray Goggins after it. Um, yeah it'll be something that I'll remember for a long long time meeting the three of them. Your mind is a very it's the most powerful tool that we have you know what I mean and it can either work for you or it can work against you and if you can get it working for you it's a very 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 powerful thing to do so if if going to little seminars like that or listening to podcasts or reading books about these people, I can't, I can't um, recommend them highly enough, you know. Um, we all should be training our mind as much as we train our body, probably more so, actually, sorry. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just a busy man, so I'm just going to end it on a fun note. Um, so I had a little birdie tell me that um, you and Jenny were I don't know if you were there but Jenny was there anyway she was in Caitlin Freeland's corner for one of her fights and she got thrown out and, <laughs> and I don't know if you've heard this story before uh, but if you do if you have would you just like to tell us how this happened yeah well look Mark I can 100% tell you, hand on heart, I have never been thrown out of a corner, ever, right? And I've done hundreds of corners, amateur and, and, and a lot of professional. I've never once been thrown out, ever. And uh, in Jenny's first fight, she got thrown out of the corner. So I might actually have to reconsider her, her career and actually her employment here. Um, I think we might she have must, to let her go, actually. She must have been causing some hassle to get thrown out um yeah she was like fighting with the opposite corner apparently she hit the opposite coach as well like um that's just a rumor i know no 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 um yeah so um caitlin Phelan, um another fantastic boxer she was um fighting over in luxembourg and um 
sometimes you're allowed to have you know three people in the corner sometimes four and myself and Caitlin's father Paddy Phelan another great coach we were in the corner and Jenny was there too but um the referee that night for some reason was only around two in the corner um actually sure it was it was kind of during the pandemic so that was probably the reason why so yeah so he asked Jenny to leave the corner but um no Jenny is the most um non-confrontational and unassuming person she's brilliant because you can you know there's never any drama with her never any trouble with her she's um she's always calm and smiling and level-headed so um no she brings no drama with her yeah um so Niall I just want to say thank you very very much for coming on and I wish you all the best in the future and I'll just leave the last word to you if you want um, no, Mark, honestly, thank you very, very much. Um, I really admire you for, for really pushing it with this podcast. And, you know, it's like anything, any business, the first few years are tough and then, you know, the growth starts. So I'd say for you to get to, you know, 33 episodes has been tough, but you'll get to 50, no problem. And before you know it, you're on 100 and, you know, your listenership will, will grow as well. You got to just break the first few barriers. And then once you push past that, it kind of opens up and, um, before you know it, you'll be on, you know, thousands of downloads and stuff. So just keep going with it. Um, um, so thanks very much. I really, really enjoyed the chat. Um, and yeah, look forward to seeing oh, you. I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to Mr. Niall Barish for coming on the podcast this week. It was great to finally talk to you properly, man. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I just want to wish you all the best for the future. Mm-hmm.